What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, Big Facts Reed. Betty, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Ready for some basketball, which we probably won't get this year. Yeah, it's looking that way. Uh, it is looking that way. But before we get into the podcast, man, I want to talk about the other podcasts on the network. We got the Bumbarooski podcast, a football podcast with you and KP, uh, who hosts the Sexy Suburban Dad. Um, we also have When the Smoke Clears uh, with Sweet Lou and yourself. Um, we're going to have some cool roundtables where we break down shows um, that are important to the community, man. So, you know, up on, first on deck is going to be The Wire. Uh, we want to talk about how transformative that was. Then we're going to talk about so, shows like Snowfall, um, Insecure, shows that, you know, are, are heavy influence in the black culture. Um, and ladies, if you're out there, we got something special coming for you in the next month. And for all you cats that grew up in the 90s, in the early 2000s like us, uh, we've got a nostalgic podcast that's going to be right up your alley. So uh, check us out, man. TwoSmartNetwork.com. And uh, you can us that Instagram at TwoSmartNetwork. And that's the number two. Smart Network. So number two, S-M-A-R-T, Network, all together, dot com. You can also find us on Instagram, at Two Smart Network, at Number Two Smart Dummies, um, at Sexy Suburban Dead, at When the Smoke Clears, Instagram. So check us out. So um, Hall of Fame class of 2020, man, was announced. You got the headliners, um, and I want to give a shout out to to uh, Tamika Catchings because she was uh, a bad girl in her time, champion with the Indiana Fever. Um, you know, she was doing her thing with New York Liberty back in the day. Tamika Catchings was that she she was a baller. Um, but the the headliners you got Kobe Bean Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan. Um, three all time talents, man. Uh, you know, in in an era where I consider that the style of basketball overall was trash. Uh, you know, in kind of a watered down era, as far as you know, dominant players goes, you're talking about three of the best uh, top 15 in history. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but it definitely wasn't a trash era. Don't don't disrespect. It was. Like that. Go look at the East. It, you can make the playoffs, win 25 games in the East, and make the finals. You okay, that. you can do I, that now. Shit, I seen it happen. I mean, you right. can, I'm saying you can do that now. <laughs> At no other point in history are the Celtics and Nets fighting with those teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-mm. Mm, agree to disagree. Like I said, I don't think it was trash. Uh, but anyways, I mean, those three are no-brainers, man. You knew they were getting in. I mean, Tim Duncan, incredible career, five rings. Uh, you had Kobe Bean, Brian, five rings, great player. You had Kevin Garnett. Uh, only one ring. But, Eleven titles up between the three, though. <laughs> and Kevin Garnett only has one. But I'm not going to hold that against some great players. Spend too much time in Minnesota. But, yeah, congratulations to those guys, man. And the fact that they were all going through each other. All those dudes were in the West for, for years. Uh, and well, we got we got a great podcast coming for you guys next week, just kind of talking about um, the lost teams of that era. Uh there's just so many teams don't get talked about. So um, that was a deep era, though, man. A lot of talent. Yeah, just so teams and players. There's a lot of teams and there's a lot of players that kind of get lost in the shuffle. 
But yeah, that was I, man. You see a lot of good basketball. Like our our lifetime, we've seen we've, a ton we've seen of the peak. great basketball, man. Ton of great yeah. basketball. I mean, me, I was born in '83, so I've seen Jordan. You know, this has been a great era of basketball in my lifetime, and I don't know if one hundred percent are going to get to say that. Um, but today's episode, we want to we've we've been doing a basketball evolution podcast where we talk about you know the post Jordan era. Uh, and how we got to where we are today in this talent boom, um, and, and and what I think is probably the deepest the NBA has ever been uh, from a talent perspective. But today we want to focus on the Miami Heat. We've discussed the Lakers um, post Jordan. We've discussed uh, you know Phil Jackson and, and, and basically the, the the late '90s teams, the lockouts, um, and now it's time to talk about the Heat. Um, you know, it seems like so long ago that. You know, LeBron James, you know, teamed up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and for four years burned as hot as any team in NBA history. Two titles, four finals appearances, and really one of the greatest in history. Yeah, man, I wish it would have lasted longer. Me being a Heat fan, I mean, I've been a Heat fan since like 03. Uh, I was there when they won the 06 title against Dallas and then coming after that trying to rebuild and get back to that point it's kind of a surprise that LeBron came but man uh it was a great time for Heat fans it was a great time for everyone I mean if you if you remember that team was probably one of the most hated teams in 2010-2011 season and gradually I think they won everyone over to where people started to root for them because they were just such a fun team to watch. Um, once they got comfortable and once they got relaxed, I mean, you could see that they were enjoying themselves through the Harlem Shake videos and, you know, things like that. So I think they started off as being one of the more hated teams, but eventually came to be a team that people kind of root for in general. I don't know about that. I still think that people wanted the Spurs to beat them uh, both seasons. I, I know people wanted them to lose to uh, Oklahoma City. I don't think that team was ever loved, like, in the moment. Maybe Heat fans, but, like, basketball fans in general, I think they really hated that team. I think that team goes um, by how LeBron was. No one really had a deep hatred for Dwayne Wade. No one really cared about Chris Bosh. So and say, haven't since. So when I say that, you know, I mean, when he first came, LeBron was hated. But once LeBron, LeBron still hated though, like what's changed? Not, not like that. Not like he was. Well, yeah, like yeah, LeBron, yeah. So, like LeBron was hated by like the majority of the his rating went from like ninety approval rating to like fifty or something like that. Everyone hated yeah. LeBron. It's not like that. Yeah, he's polarizing like every great player. Jordan was polarizing. Yeah, people that said Jordan wasn't the best player or Jordan was trash. But then when he retires, that's how Le- LeBron is. Like LeBron isn't hated right now. You don't like him. You don't want him to win. You root against him. But generally, everybody respects LeBron. You know, overall, there's nobody saying like LeBron's trash. You know what I mean? Like before that, I mean, people forget because he's so good now. In 2010, before the decision, LeBron hadn't done well in the playoffs. He had been a virtual kind of as a superstar player with popularity and all the stats he was putting off. He failed in the playoffs the majority of the time he was there. He was there, what, seven years? He got to the finals once, but before that, he was kind of disappointed in every time he went to the playoffs besides for that run where they got swept by San Antonio in 06, 06, 07, something like that. Other than that, 07. Yeah, other than that, LeBron was largely disappointed. You had people saying that he couldn't win in big games. He wasn't a player. I mean, look, player. same yeah. thing they said about Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael didn't win for his first seven years. I mean, people don't remember that shit, or people don't take the time to realize that. Um, it's so funny, man. 
So on Twitter, I mean, you just get the Michael Jordan, LeBron James debates, but their careers are so similar. Um, you know, I and I think the the difference was and how this dynasty got set up was Chicago's a big market. And not that they were even a free agent destination, it was just a winning market. Not not before Jordan, keep in mind, but um while he was there. Um and partly because of him, but LeBron, there was no one coming to Cleveland. They they had an inept um front office. They had an owner an owner who's uh, an arrogant ass and he couldn't get free agents there. But it was I mean, just a bad recipe. I mean, Chicago's a big market, but it's never truly been a big free agent destination. And it wasn't that when Jordan was there either. You know what I mean? Like, they just did well in the draft. Like, they did well to draft a, a Scottie Pippen. You know what I mean? And some of those role players. The Bulls didn't get a lot of free agents. I mean, they traded for Dennis Rodman. They brought in Tony Kukos from overseas. Uh, you know what I'm saying from the draft, but the Bulls and they, they brought in um, they just had a better management uh, structure than Cleveland. Cleveland Ron couldn't Harper. bring in players. They couldn't draft players. They couldn't develop players. Any of that. Any of that. Like they did the best player that they brought in was Carlos Boozer, and then didn't want to pay to keep him. So if you're gonna do that, then you're gonna have a team, and you're gonna have a disappointed LeBron James to the point where he wanted to leave. One of the things that's not mentioned is that. Like, they knew that LeBron was going to be a free agent. He didn't really commit to him that whole season. He was going through. Everyone knew he was going to test the waters. He said there was going to be teams. He was going to take meetings. And they still didn't do everything that they could to keep LeBron James. They uh, they went out and they signed it for a Shaq that was well past his prime. You got a young oh, kid yeah. in LeBron James that loves to run. And you go sign a, a Shaq that couldn't even run up and down the court anymore. Um, he wanted Amari Stoudemire, which I believe was a bad move, but that's what he wanted. You know what I'm saying? And you could have brought Amari Stoudemire in and not re-signed him. You could have brought him there for half a season instead of going to get Antoine Jameson just to say we're not going to re-sign him. But at least you would have did it to put some favor. But they didn't do that. That pissed LeBron off. And then they fired Mike Brown, a coach that he had a good relationship with. Danny Ferry got pissed because they fired Mike Brown, and he quit. So at the point where he's in free agency and you're looking at the team that you couldn't win with before and it's been inept, they also just fired their head coach. They also just <laughs> fired their GM. They went and hired Byron Scott, who really didn't have any good experience besides being like on that Lakers team and kind of an assistant on the team. No, he took the Nets to the play to the finals two years in a row. Byron Scott? Not Byron yes. Scott. Uh, the other one. Uh, shit. He ball headed too. Not it wasn't Byron. Was it Byron Scott? Yeah, it was. Byron Scott. Scott did end up coaching the the Lakers or the Cavs. He coached Kyrie, and they hated each other. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it was him, but yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they. I don't think they did all they could to keep LeBron. So basically, all that led up to the the decision that everyone knows about. And LeBron changed the landscape of the NBA. Um, you know, it was largely in the owners' favor. Um, you know, Le- LeBron you know ushered in the player empowerment era uh, by taking control of his destiny um you know everyone gave him shit oh well i would have won uh i would have stayed with my team and i would have won the, the old-fashioned way it's like shut up yeah I mean, shut up i'm not about that player loyalty thing i think lebron did it because i mean we look at that like we'll look at that one way and say yeah you know i'm gonna stay with my team and i'm gonna be like jordan i'm gonna try to win but and look other, how Kevin Garnett and Charles Barkley turned out. That's what I was about to say. Out. Otherwise, you could be Kevin Garnett and waste the bulk of your Hall of Fame team 
I mean, Hall of Fame fame career on a bad team with bad management that never put that loyalty does not get you anywhere as nope. far as your legacy. Everyone in the same to be, same fans will turn around and say, "Oh, but he never won a ring." Well, yeah, because he was stuck in Minnesota, and y'all chastised the man for being too loyal. Now, and look, know, at, th- and look at Kevin Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant yep. left, and you say, "Oh, he's this. He can't win." Then he goes and wins two t- two championships, two titles, and no one says that anymore. Same with LeBron. So players are going to leave now because of that. Like you want to get on a team, your legacy is going to be better. Even making money in the long run is going to be better if you go to a team where you can win. So let's talk about this team. Miami had been struggling. I mean, they were coming off a 2006 title, 2004 Eastern Conference, or excuse me, 2005 Eastern Conference uh, appearance. They lost. Shaq got hurt. Um, won a title in 06. Shaq was pretty much done at that point. Um, I mean, he was done. Uh, way, pretty, way pretty much carried him. He was missing 30 to 40 games a year, you know. Yeah, and, you know, Dwayne Wade got hurt. Uh, they trade Shaq to Phoenix. Um, but all the while, they're setting up. I mean, you know, when Dwayne Wade's there, they're kind of getting bounced out the first round. Um, but they've, they've got the piece. They've got Dwayne Wade, right? Yeah. Um, and there are already rumblings after the 2008 Olympics that Dwayne Wade and um, uh, Chris, Chris Bosh and, and LeBron James are going to play together. It's not out in the open, but there's rumblings. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like on blogs, and, you know, you got people saying, like, Stephen A. takes credit for it, but he would say it, then contradict himself and say it again. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So he said a bunch of different things. He also said they were going to the Bulls and all kinds. Of, they're, they're all going to the Knicks. So he made a lot of outlandish statements. But, yeah, um, they pretty much all talked about it. It was set up by LeBron taking that three-year contract. Uh, Wade took a short-term contract. Wade is the genius in this because not only did he take a shorter term contract, but he's in communication with Pat Riley and they're basically shaping their roster on only one year deals in like 2008, 2009, 2009, 2010. They're not signing any free agents that would stick. They're only signing one year contracts and they had a good coach in Eric Spolster because even though they were signing those one year contracts, they were still 47 wins, fourth or, fourth or fifth seed. So they built a situation where LeBron could look at it and say, hey, you know, we're winning with just me. If we bring both of you in here, we got the cap room. He made it a situation that looked good for um, the rap for uh, Chris Bosh and for LeBron. Like LeBron, they, there's rumors that LeBron was trying to get them to come to Cleveland. But why would Wade leave a good situation and go to Cleveland? Chris right. Bosh said he outright he wasn't going to Cleveland. He actually signed before the decision. It was a sign-and-trade deal, and he was sent to Miami before um, LeBron even made his decision. So that that made it stronger that LeBron would go there because Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh was already set. So if LeBron would have went somewhere else, it was always it was still going to be Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Bosh made his now, decision. let's talk about what's going on in the league during this time. So you've got San Antonio Spurs who – uh, whoop LeBron's ass in 07 after Miami's title season. Um, the next three years is run by the Lakers and the Celtics. Uh, you know, the, the Celtics are rejuvenated with their big three, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. They win the title in 08. The Lakers went back-to-back titles in 09-2010. Um, and LeBron kind of looked around and was like, yeah, we cannot beat the Celtics team. Um, and there was another good team in the East. Orlando Magic? 
Orlando, who they lost to in 09 to go to the finals, which was I mean, disappointing. Yeah, and you can't, uh, I mean, you're looking at that team, you're looking at a young Dwight Howard that was kind of dominating, that dominated the Cavs. Like, they had it, no answer for Dwight Howard. I think he put, like, 40 and 20 on them that, that and elimination game. Orlando was – that Orlando team could play today. Um, you know, that was the perfect team for, for Dwight Howard. Uh, you had pick and roll with him and uh, uh, Jameer Nelson, but you had you basically surrounded Dwight with nothing but shooters. Um, and Stan you got Van them. Gundy was the first coach that I, I ever heard. He was pe- preaching those analytics before it was cool. During like oh seven oh eight, you they had those practices they showed NBA TV or whatever, and he was telling them either layup or three pointer. Any other yep. shot is inefficient. Like then Tony wasn't the only one saying that. Stan Van Gundy Gundy has been saying that for years that he doesn't want his team to shoot long two pointers. He was telling those Orlando teams with uh what's his name? Reggie was it Reggie Lewis, Jameer Nelson, like you shoot, Richard, Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis. Yeah. Um telling them to shoot threes. Shoot threes or yep. layups. Don't shoot those long two pointers. And so, you know, LeBron looked around and even when when um you know the the heatles came about the lakers were still the favorite to win the title that year um you know people were saying oh well miami's got the big three it was like well the lakers got the big five uh they've got bynum they've got pal they've got ron artest they've got kobe bryant they got Derek fisher they definitely uh, were the favorites though i mean they yes, were a they, good yes team. they were they were the they, favorites. Nah, i don't know about that. yes they were they were the favorites until i mean th- that season Kind of went off the went off the rails. That was Phil Jackson's last season there. Or no, it wasn't. Um, it, it was. Well, I guess they were back to back champions. But I believe, yeah. they, I believe the Heat went in there and kind of dominated them. Uh, I'm talking about to to start the season. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm saying Lakers that, that may be true because they were back to back champions. But yeah. I'm saying that the Heat announced themselves, even though the Heat had a slow start to the season. Um, they went in there and dominated and kind of announced themselves. But uh, it wasn't. Well, it just, just shows you that the, that the Lakers were done too. I mean, they got swept in the the playoffs that year by the by the Mavs. I mean, the Lakers were at the end of a three year run to the finals. They were done. Yeah, that's when we're gonna do the Dallas Mavericks uh, show. One of the greatest playoff runs in history by Dirk on <laughs> that Dallas Mavericks Which run. is why I hold him in such high esteem over yeah. a KG because of that run. Yeah, that was a pretty dominant one. But otherwise, you know, um, the big three signed with the Heat. Uh, Le- um, LeBron signed for one team. By signed for one team. Wade signed for a little bit less just because he wanted to get Udonis Haslam back as the leader of the team. So he signed for 107. It allowed them to sign Udonis Haslam to a five-year, $20 million deal. I think they all signed like six-year deals, but they could opt out in four years or whatever. Um, you also had – they signed Mike Miller um, to open the court up. Mike Miller was like a huge addition for that team because everyone knew that they were going to penetrate the lane and try to attack, and he was supposed to be a pure shooter. Um, to start the season off, though, they had a good training camp um, – but when they entered the season, the first game of the preseason, Dwayne Wade got hurt. Then, before the season actually started, Mike Miller got hurt. In practice, somebody hit his hand. I want to say it was LeBron that hit his hand and damaged ligaments in his hand. Um, that forced him. This is one thing that people may not know. It forced him to have to cut Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly was going to make the team. Make Raise the your back. Team. Um, yeah, he was uh, he was actually drafted by the Heat in the second round, I think, in 09 or something. They kept putting him overseas. But he was going to make this team out of training camp. When Mike Miller hurt his hand, they had to cut him in order to put another shooter on the roster to keep shooting around LeBron James. So he pretty much got let go with a million dollars guaranteed. But if this you know team so funny? had Patrick Beverly, I think they would have been a lot better. I look, I look at the roster for this team, 
It's iffy. Uh, did you know Jawan Howard was on this team? Yep, they signed Jawan Howard. <laughs> Jerry Stackhouse was on this team? Uh, I don't know about that. The days might be. I think they waived Jerry Stackhouse. He might have been on there on the ch- training camp roster, but I don't think he actually made the team. Dexter Pittman, you remember him? Ooh, he was bad. Yeah, they traded for him and they drafted him in like the first round out of Texas. He couldn't get yeah, his, he, he couldn't keep bad. his weight down. But that was a, a situation where they were trying to get a center, um, a center that could, could dominate because they knew they didn't have a lot of cap space to well, go. Well, they brought in Ilgoskis. That was LeBron's move. Eric Dampier. <laughs> uh, he had some. Eric Dampier actually had some good games that season. He did. Uh, was he on the? Was he on the twelve team? Or the 11 team? Uh, you, not, no, not the 11. You're talking about oh, the 11-12 okay. team? No, nah, he was yeah. on the 2010-2011 Okay, because I was, I, was, I, was I was seeing if he snuck in two rings on, the, on there. Nah. So. I, I don't uh, think he got one ring. They yeah, didn't he win got the one with Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Two rings yeah. like that. Yeah, he was uh, still relevant. But, yeah, man, uh, but this team wasn't – but you look at it that way maybe, but you got to realize that team players played above. Like they signed Eddie House for shooting. Um, that might have been the person that they signed when dude got hurt. I can't remember. But James Johnson had an incredible three-point shooting season that year. Uh, he actually won the three-point contest in the All-Star game. He shot, like, over 40% during the season. During the playoffs, he shot something like 45%. Like, he was a knockdown three. He was big for them that season. They thought they were going to be able to depend on Mike Miller. But since Mike Miller stayed hurt, Mike Miller didn't come until, like, 30, 40 games into the season. And James Jones had already established himself. Um, so, but yeah, James Jones was big. Mario Chalmers was big. Later in the year, they signed Mike Bibby. He was really big for them. Another three-point threat coming from Atlanta after he got his position took by Jeff T. He shot like 40% from three. Um, those things are big because LeBron and Wade attacked the rim so many, so much. So, um, so this 2011 team started off, or excuse me, 2010-2011 team. They started off pretty slow, started off like eight and nine, um, and then they, they got together, man. Uh, they, they had a strong season. They finished 58-24. and 24, um, And they, they really ran through the playoffs. Um, you know, the first, four se- first three series, um, they beat the Sixers in five. They beat the Celtics in four. Or, excuse me, in five. Uh, they beat the Bulls in five. I mean, yeah. I mean, and we're talking about uh, an MVP, Derrick Rose. We're talking about a big three uh, Boston Celtics team. Um, they I mean, they just dismantled them uh, only to kind of run short run out of steam i should say to the dallas mavericks who like you said i mean dirk and whiskey was just incredible and lebron kind of broke down yeah this was a this was a kind of strange team i believe that they they came in kind of entitled i mean you saw a lot of the the i mean they got all the attention people felt like it was a surefire thing that they were going to win the championship. And you kind of saw that entitlement when the season started. They thought that it was just going to come together and click, and it just did not. Like you said, they started off like 9-8. and eight. Um, There was a lot of controversy in the locker room. Um, it was LeBron James was doing some complaints. Well, his people were doing a lot of complaining about Eric Spolster. There was a time where he bumped Eric Spolster, and it, they made a big deal about that. And then they had to have a players' meeting, and after that players' meeting, they kind of started rolling. They had like a 12-game win streak on the road. They went 15-1 and one in December, and they really got it going. But even then, towards the end of the season, they started to falter. They, this team really had problems closing out games. And in late March, they really struggled. So it was kind of surprising going into the playoffs. They were so dominant. And I think they felt like they could turn it on whenever they wanted to because they turned the switch on when they got in the playoffs. And they ended up going against a Dallas Mavericks team that was just 
gave them a basketball clinic, man. That team passed the ball beautifully. And for a Miami Heat team that depended so much on defense and on trapping the ball, with them passing the ball, making the extra pass, and doing everything basketball-wise and knocking down shots, it was just a tough matchup for LeBron and Dwayne Wade. And even then, they were still arrogant, thinking that they could turn it on and win at any time. For, for people who don't remember, that Mavs team was really good. I mean, you had a bunch of veterans who, uh, you know, were hungry, came in at the right time. You had Jason Kidd, who was instrumental, um, Jason Terry. You had Tyson Chandler, uh, who was Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and, of course, you had Dirk, Sean Marion. Uh, Peja Stoyakovich was on that team. Um, you know, so, I mean, the, the it was a perfect storm for – um, for Dallas, but if if you guys go back and watch that finals, that was a great finals. Um, every game was was relatively close. Um, you had you know game it was over in six, but you know Miami came out guns blazing in game one, um, and then game two Dallas kind of shocked the world. Um, but Miami and they won by two, 95-93. Game three was a close game, two point game. Miami wins, and then it just flipped. Um, Dallas kind of took over the series, but I mean, the biggest point to differential was 10 points and that was game six. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, we talk about that and we talk about that this team was a failure or that team was a failure. LeBron didn't do this. Dallas played perfect basketball like most of that series, and it still came down to Dirk having to dominate and hit big shots and go shot for shot with LeBron in most of those fourth quarters. So it just shows you how talented this Miami team was because as good as uh, Dallas played, as well as they shot, all those good things, it still was like an eight, four, five-point game in fourth quarters where they needed Dirk to close those games out. And to Dirk's credit, he did his job. But, I mean, like you said, in the first game, uh, the big three came up with 65 points between themselves. You know what I'm saying? This was a, a really good team. In game three, the Heat shot over 50% from three-point line. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like that the Heat just played completely terrible. It's that LeBron James didn't step up to Dirk's level. And this is this is the only in terms of like LeBron James legacy. This is the only finals loss that I, I like pin squarely on him. Every other one you can find reasons as to why they lost that that whether it was injuries, whether it be this that or the other, but this one it again, it was one of those seasons where I think that you know, if you listen to Chris Bosh talk about it, it was pretty interesting. Um they just the pressure of being hated, and they I mean they're the most hated team in NBA history. People can talk about the Pistons of of the late 80s, but I mean, people, if you were not a Heat fan, you hated this Heat team in 2010, 2011. Because um, everyone felt like they were cheating the game. Um, they were they were on a highway to easy rings. They didn't want to compete, whatever it was. But um, it, he just didn't show up. He got outplayed by Jason Terry. Um, he got outplayed by J.J. Barrera. Uh, he got outplayed totally. And, and it was – I remember in game six, um, you know, when they were getting ready to lose uh, – sorry, in game uh, – I think it was five yeah, when they were getting ready to lose where Dwayne Wade looks over at LeBron and was like, yo, I need you. Yeah, like, where, up, where are you? Like, Wade was doing his all. Uh, they they put uh, Jason Kidd on him. Jason Kidd was, like, locking down LeBron, so they had to move him to Wade because Wade was in attack mode. But that's kind of that was kind of the difference. You know, Wade had been in college. Wade had been in March Madness. He had been to the two, 2006 championship. He was able to step his game up a level. And LeBron really wasn't able to do that at that point. But even when I give Dirk credit, I think the reason why Dirk 
was able to do that is because Dirk had had so many failures before that. I mean, the, Dirk had those same expectations. Like, well, not the same expectations, but he was on really good teams that disappointed in the playoffs. He knew what that felt like. And I think that LeBron needed that feeling in him to remind him to be able to step his game up. And I, even though it was really disappointing as a Heat fan and it was really disappointing for LeBron and that team, I think that's the best thing that could have happened to LeBron because that changed his whole mentality and – it, it, it made him a different player. It made him work harder. It made him be able to step his game up to another level. And the bad thing for the Heat is after they lost that, they had a lockout. So you didn't get to start that season in October. That season, like, dragged – that offseason dragged on. So not only did you fail in this Heatles experiment – you're the most hated player, you know what I mean? That Heat team, you have to listen to it on ESPN, and that drags all the way into December. They don't start to play basketball again until December 25th on Christmas when they get a rematch against Dallas. And even then, it's the opening day game, so it's the ring ceremony for Dallas in Dallas. <laughs> yep. Um, like you said, it was 66-game season. Um Miami still, you know, they got together. They ran through. They ran through the league. Um, now, keep in mind, this was still a really good league around this time. Um, you know, Indiana kind of started to show. Paul George and and, and uh, Danny, Danny Granger, Granger. Roy um, Hibbert. Indiana had a bit of built a really good team. Um, you had uh, the Knicks had a great year that year yep. with Jason Kidd, with Carmelo Anthony, with Tyson Chandler. Um, you know, Boston was still hanging around, and it took it took seven games to beat that Boston Celtics team in 2012. Um, so, excuse me, yeah, 2011, 2012. Um, and then, you know, I, I remember listening to Kevin Durant talk about that finals, um, and he just said that even after they won game one, Oklahoma City, um, he, he said they knew in game two that they weren't going to win that series because you could feel how hungry that Miami Heat team was. Yeah, like I said, man, LeBron came back a different player, and he he showed it the first game against Dallas. I mean, he opened that opened the season up with thirty seven points, and they blew out Dallas. Uh, so they had they started the season off twenty seven and seven, which is the best in franchise history. They added a young rookie in Norris Cole, who showed very early on that he was going to be a tough defender and a good player for them, kind of what they were missing against that Dallas. He was a tough defender that could actually uh, knock down shots, could help Mario Chalmer out. Um, Shane, they picked up Shane, Shane Battier, which was really, really big for that team. Um, Way had some injuries early. But that also allowed LeBron to really establish himself. I mean, I heard Alonzo Mourning talking, and he said that after that finals loss, Wade went to LeBron and told him, like, listen, bro, this is your team. You're going to have to carry us. We're only going to go as far as you're going to take us. And at that point, LeBron's eyes opened up, and he was a different type of leader knowing that this was his team. I mean, he was coming to Wade's team, so it was kind of different that first year because – he didn't want to step on his friend's toes. But having that okay by way to say, no, bro, this is your team. You're the better player. And that helped them. In January, they went 16-5. and five. They're the only team in history to win three games in three days by, like, more than 20 – by more double-digit points, which teams don't I mean, even do that anymore. They don't even play three games in right. three days anymore. I mean, <laughs> this, was, this was the year that LeBron James, like, definitively took the mantle as the best player in the game. Like, yes. you know, like, hands down, there's no debate. Um, he's the best player in the game. Um, 
So he went on to average 27, 8, and 6 um, during that regular season. But can I read to you his NBA Finals stats? LeBron James in the NBA Finals averaged 28, 10, and 7. Uh, well, with, before, before we get there, you're kind of jumping around all over the place. Yeah, they go like he won MVP that year. Right? Yep. He matched up against that Indiana team, which you talked about was growing. They weren't ready yet, but they were so physical that they pushed that team around and forced them to grow up. The biggest thing I want to talk about is when LeBron actually became LeBron James. Like you can't skip over that Boston Celtics matchup in the playoffs. Oh, I agree. Like that's yeah. when LeBron became LeBron James. I mean, they went in there that that first game. Uh, I think Miami won Game One. Miami won Game Two. The Celtics, uh, they they actually Miami won Game Two with one of the biggest comebacks in Heat history. They were down in that game too at home. The Celtics came back and they won Game Three. They won Game Four and they won Game Five. That mean that LeBron. And the Miami Heat had to go to Boston in a closeout game down 3-2. Now, at this point in time, we're not talking about the LeBron James we know now. I told you before, LeBron James, had, had he had failed in the playoffs, right? <laughs> he had failed multiple times in the playoffs. He's coming off a season where they were talking about the Dallas Mavericks, how he didn't have it and he didn't show up in that game. He had listened to that for over, what, almost two years? That's the LeBron James. This wasn't the LeBron James you knew you can count on. LeBron James but game into, six, LeBron James? Game six, down 3-2 in Boston. LeBron James went into Boston and had 45 points, 15 rebounds, five assists. Only one other player has ever done that. That's Wilt Chamberlain. He demolished them to tie the, tie the series up 3-3. They went back home, and they won that series 4-3 uh, at home. But everyone says – On the back of, of another 31-12 and 12 yes. game by LeBron. That's when everyone said that LeBron James became championship LeBron James. That's when that Heat team became a championship Heat team, when LeBron James went in there and he carried the Heat on his back. And that took a lot of pressure off because before then, all you heard about was LeBron wasn't able to win the big shot. He used to get like a lot of criticism for passing the ball up in the final minutes. Like that's back when LeBron would drive in random regular season games against the Knicks or the Bulls when he would drive and kick it and somebody would miss it. They would say he was scared to pit, take the big shot. He couldn't close in big games. That was the game where LeBron James became LeBron James. I mean, you talk about and and Paul Pierce, you listen to him talk about it now. Uh, you know, Kevin Garnett still hates LeBron James and, and all that, but whatever. But Paul Pierce acknowledges, like, yo, like, that was it. We thought we had broken this dude. We thought we owned him. And holy shit. Um, you know, because that Boston, that that was a good Boston team that probably yes. would have won a title. Um, you know, that, or I think I, that probably. Nah, that, that Boston the, team would have beat the uh, Thunder. The I Thunder, believe. yeah, I think so, too. Um, and, yeah, and LeBron hasn't looked back since. Um, so going against a, a, a team that nobody saw coming, Oklahoma City, everyone thought, you know, 2011 was such a weird year uh, because the Spurs were the number one seed. They get upset by the Memphis Grizzlies, who are up and coming and legitimately came out of nowhere. Um, you know, so you had a, a 1-8 matchup and uh, that never gets talked about. But I was at that game. I was at game six in the playoffs in Memphis. It was kind of like um, – it, you remember with the We Believe Warriors versus the Mavericks, uh, you know, 
you walked away thinking like, yo, I think Golden State was actually the better team in that series. Yeah. It was the same thing with Memphis versus San Antonio. They were like, man, Memphis just beat the hell out of them. Memphis so was you a had bad a, team for San Antonio because they were built a lot like San Antonio. Yep. Um, and you saw the emergence of Pal, or excuse me, of Mark Gasol, Zebo. I mean, it was that was a good team. So you had a lot going on, and then that Memphis team could have made the finals. But Oklahoma City came out, and, I mean, no one saw them coming. No answer for Kevin Durant. Nope. He was the scoring um, leader that year. Just demolished him. Yeah, and so, you know, there, there's a lot happening. But that finals um, between Dallas, or excuse me, between Oklahoma and, and, and Miami, even though um, it was over in five, started off great. Uh, but Miami yeah. ended up showing that, no, nah, they, they were not going to be denied this year. Yeah, I believe I believe my um, the Thunder came in as the favorites because they had they a better record. They were 8-0 at home. Um, they came out that first game at home. Durant had 36. They beat they beat them. Uh, they beat the Heat. Um, the Heat still had that, that salty taste in their mouth, and they just had that no-lose mentality. They went back. Uh, Durant and LeBron in game two went back and forth. They both had 32 apiece. LeBron showed that dog into, in him that he had changed because he started guarding Kevin Durant in that last that final minute. Um, I think the last shot was a 50-50 call. Kevin Durant thought he should have got it, but you don't get those calls then. But after that, I mean, the games were closer than they looked. You know, it was a 4-1 victory by Miami, but those games were tight down the stretch. And Miami Thunder were kind of still young, and they couldn't really close out the games. They had turnovers, uh, bad shots. But though, that, 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 those, that series is tighter than it looks. That 4-1 doesn't really show how close that series was. Yeah, I, I agree. Um Miami played in some great finals. All four that with well, they got blown out in fourteen, but the the first three were, I mean, those were great finals. Well, um, not just great finals. They played in some great playoff matchups. I mean, you take yeah. away those first rounds. That's why I said that that time during the playoffs might have been one of the best in history because, I mean, it's, it wasn't just Miami either. They the Western Conference, like you said, we're not even talking about that. That was crazy. And then the Eastern conference his their second round was either going to be the bulls the celtics or the pacers you know what i mean so they had three games where they were playing like you know elite teams every year um so i I just don't think most teams like the warriors coast until they get to the the western conference finals it was not like that for the heat team so although this heat team was built as a big three team was supposed to dominate in hindsight they probably went up not only they were a great team, but they went against some great competition in their own conference. They had the the Bulls, who was a number one record for like two of those four years. Derrick Rose won an MVP. Derrick Rose was the NBA MVP player. They had Joakim Noah, Luau Dang, Carlos Boozer. Carlos Boozer. That was a good team. The Knicks were even good at this time. Yep. Uh, you know what I mean? You had the Celtics. You had the uh, the Pacers. Yeah, Philly. Were good. I mean, you had. You had a lot of good teams that they had to go against. You had an up-and-coming Sixers team, which was Drew Holiday and uh, Andre Right before Godala, they blew it up. Right before Thad Young. I mean, they had some tough matchups that they had to go through. And then when you get to the finals, you play a Dallas team. You play a Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. You play a San Antonio Spurs team. Like, when you go back, like, in the moment, it felt like they were underachieving. But now when I look back, even in those first two years, I can't even say that they underachieved. Really? I mean, just looking at the team that they went against, the competition that they had to face, um, that Dallas Mavericks team, that was a complete team. They were well coached. They played great basketball. They come back and go against a Thunder team who Kevin Durant is one of the best players, and Russell Westbrook is now like 
top 25 players. So they went against some great competition. Which, let's go to 2012, 2013, which was, this was the best iteration of that Miami Heat team. This is when they really hit the their peak. The pressure's off. At that point pressure's in time, off. They, they won the NBA championship, what they were put together to do. LeBron, that can't win the big game thing, it's gone. You know what I mean? The pressure's off. Now you see the best version of this Heat team, the team that everyone thought they were getting before. They hit a 27-game win streak in this in this season. Um, this was the last great season from Dwayne Wade. Um, you know, he started to kind of break down after that. Or not break down, but, it, I mean, yeah, break down. Uh, you know, he just – it was the last season of him being a really, really good player. They were able to add Ray Allen – um Shane Badier was still on the squad. Uh this this was a this was by far Rashard Lewis was on that squad who played big minutes. Um this was a really good Miami team. Um, they ended up going LeBron was coming off an of MVP and then he went to the Olympics and he got an Olympic gold medal. So LeBron was really coming into his own as the face and the new best player in the NBA. So they ended up going 66 and 16, um by far the best record in the NBA. They uh, again, they just dominate this season. There's not really much to say other than than the regular season. They just dominated. Well, um, in that 27 game winning streak, one game LeBron went 13 from 14 for the field. His only miss was like a layup at the rim against the Bobcats. He had six straight games of 30 plus points, shooting over 60 percent. He's the first player to ever do that in history to have six straight games shooting. Make scoring over thirty points and shooting sixty percent. That that was a season where people started to wonder if LeBron would shoot sixty percent for the season. Yeah, he was uh, incredible. They he was dominating. One in February, they had they they had the most wins in a month in March. I think they were seventeen and one in March. Uh, and I mean, they're incredible, Le- man. LeBron ended up averaging twenty seven seven and, and eight that year, um, and. You know, Dwayne Wade kind of, like I said, he he took started to take a step back. You could start to see the cracks. Um, he only but, played 54 games that year. I think uh, the knee issues were really giving him problems. Um, no, Dwayne Wade played play 69 games that year. 69? In yeah. uh, 2012, 2013? Yeah. Maybe it was 54 the year before. Oh, yeah, that's because it was a shortened season. Yeah. Um, did you uh, – so – LeBron wins another MVP. That That's his fourth in five years. <laughs> nah, I thought Derrick Rose won this year. 2012-2013, I'm pretty sure it was LeBron. He won back-to-back uh, MVPs. Nah, I think it was Derrick Rose that year. Or did Derrick Rose get 2011? Let me see. I think it might now, be Rose got 2012 because he tore his shit up that year. Right, let me see. 20, it'd be 2013, wouldn't it? NBA MVP. I thought LeBron won it. You might be right. I, it was one of those two. Yeah, it was LeBron James, 2013 MVP. And and did D-Rose win 2013? No, 2013 was LeBron. You know, that'd be 2012, 2013. they go by the last year. So 2012 is LeBron. So you're thinking of the year they went to the final, 2010, 2011. Oh, that so was Derrick Rose. year, Derrick Rose won, and that's when LeBron blocked him, Eastern Conference Championship. That's yeah. why he thought he could guard Jason Terry because he guarded – uh, Derrick Rose, Rose, the MVP, and Jason Terry lit his ass up. So, the playoffs that year, Derrick Rose blows his knee to smithereens yeah. um, against Philadelphia, 1-8 matchup. Philadelphia ends up, um, or Chicago ends up winning that series to move to the second round. Nate um, Robinson. Miami, <laughs> yeah, Miami ends up beating the hell out of Milwaukee, sweeping them. Um, this was, you know, Giannis was not Giannis. Um, and then you had 
Chicago, they beat them in five. Um, Indiana took them to seven this year. This was the year that, that Indiana really shocked everyone. Um, Paul George had really come into his own. Um, Danny Granger, it was it was that last hurrah for, for this uh, Pacers team. And then in the finals, um, people started to figure out. We thought San Antonio was done and was throwing dirt on their grave. San Antonio came back and they they lost in seven off of. I mean, San Antonio should have won that championship. Yeah, and, it, um, and it's funny because, like I said at the time, you look at that San Antonio team and you think Miami's a better team, but when you look at that San Antonio roster, San Antonio was actually favored going into the finals too. San Antonio had Tony Parker, uh, Mono Ginobili, and Tim Duncan. Great, great players. You know what I mean. But they had, just drafted Kawhi, who is more of a, a, a just a defensive. He was an offensive liability, but more of a defensive guy. But those those players had played together for eleven years. They brought in Boris Diaw, who was uh, who was he had a bad season in Charlotte, but it was because he didn't want to be there. He goes to play right. with his friend, who was Boris Diaw was Draymond before Draymond. So they have him coming off the bench. You had uh, Tiago Splitter. You had Kawhi, like you said, who was even though he was a third year player. He averaged like two two steals a game. He was a lockdown defender. He was long. You had Danny Green, you know what I'm saying, a lockdown defender who was a three-point shooter. Uh, Gary Neal on that team. You had Corey Joseph coming off the bench. That was a very, very deep team, and they moved the ball very, very well. They, they, they were a matchup problem for Miami because they allowed Miami to take all the jump shots they wanted, and they packed the lane. They forced them to well, shoot shots. Kawhi was a rookie that year. They had just drafted him because they traded George Hill before that season for him. Um, but the the real unsung hero for that San Antonio Spurs team, Hall of Famer Tracy McGrady, okay? <laughs> Got out the first round. Um, now, I actually forgot T-Mac was on that team. Uh, yeah, but, I, didn't, I didn't know that either. Um, but, yeah, yeah, a good Spurs team who, again, I don't think people had them making the finals this year, but um, came out. Took him seven games yeah, again. be all wrong. This was Kawhi Leonard's second year. He was drafting 2011, 2012. This is 2012, 2013 we talking about. What did I say? You said he was a rookie. Well, hell, you said it was the third year. Damn, yeah, we'll split I, the difference. I was closer than you. Do you know how math works? <laughs> uh, either way, um, great series. Uh, I, and I, I wish people had would, would go back and watch these again go back and watch the miami heat finals they, they were all close games in, in, at least in the in the the first three um but san antonio actually you started to see when they did beat miami they beat them bad um in this series yeah, they, uh game three they beat them by damn near 30 yeah i mean well in the first game i mean there was a, a couple of lopsided both ways because in the first game uh they lost 92-88. That was a close game, one of the better games of the series. LeBron went for 18, 18, and 10 assists. Uh, but Tony Parker, Tony Parker was really the one that killed them a lot during this season just because he was able to penetrate and get in the lane at will, and he just caused a lot of havoc for them. Uh, Chalmers couldn't defend him. Norris Cole couldn't do anything with him. Um, that next game, Miami won, win, won 103-84. San Antonio came back, beat them 113-77, kind of beat the brakes off of them. Then Miami comes back and wins 109-93. LeBron scores 33. We can go through all that, but it all comes down to game six. That's the game that everybody knows and everybody remembers. Um, the, the Spurs were up 3-2 um, going into Miami game six. 
on Miami's full floor, just like they did when it was against uh, Dallas. Um, Tim Duncan had 25 points in the first half. I mean, Tim Duncan was like vintage Tim Duncan in this game. 25 points in the first half. I think he finished with something like 35 and 14 or 33 and 14 or something like that. He was just dominating the heat, but he ran out of gas towards the end of the game. Uh, LeBron had 32 and 11, um, but it came down to Kawhi missing a free throw at the end of the day, man. Uh, the, the heat were down by five with 28 seconds left. They had the, uh, the people that were coming out to celebrate. What do they call those guys that were going to tie off? Tie the, they, the confetti dudes yeah. or the, the, the security for that? Yeah, they had the yellow the guys in the yellow jackets coming around the court to get ready to put the barrier up so they can celebrate on the home court. Uh, uh, Kawhi goes up there. Uh, no, that was Ginobili went up there. He made two free throws, 28, yep. 28 seconds left. LeBron comes down. This is the play that people don't talk about. LeBron comes down and hits a three. After with 28 seconds left, he comes down, he goes to hit a three. They foul. Kawhi goes to the free throw line, misses a free throw, makes one, puts him down by three. And that's when the mad scramble that you see happens where LeBron shoots another three to try to win it. He misses it. I think did they kick it back out for him to shoot it again. Yeah, he yeah. missed that. I yeah, think he misses it again. No, so LeBron hit the first one. Yeah, that's to, that was before I already said that one. But on that yeah. last drive, I think he shot the three. He shot. They kicked it out to somebody. Somebody shot the three. Bosh gets it, tips it to Ray Allen. Yeah, LeBron missed that second three. Yeah, Chris Bosh. Well, let's talk about Greg Popovich making the worst coaching move of his career, taking Tim Duncan off the floor uh, at that point. He probably but, thought that it was going to be a foul game, and he couldn't take him out. You know, Tim Duncan. Man, that's Tim Duncan, man. He wasn't a great right? – I think Tim Duncan's a career, like, 68% free throw shooter or something. Can we talk about something real quick, though, that I, I did not know until I was going through looking at this? You know who was balling? Who? Kawhi Leonard was fucking balling that year. Oh, yeah, that like, series, he, he balled. Yeah, like, that series. Yeah, I mean, he was getting, like, 19 and 16 in Game 7, 19 and 12. Like, I, I you know, there were signs that Kawhi Leonard was going to be a really good player. Um and, and he was giving LeBron James headaches, but LeBron was being LeBron. But he 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 had to work in a way yeah. that he had. Yeah, that people say that, but Kawhi didn't guard LeBron a lot. A lot of those times, it was kind of them sinking in the paint and putting players like Boris Diaw on them, putting height on them, and sinking in the paint. So it wasn't like LeBron was guarding him one on one. I mean, Kawhi was guarding LeBron one on one and shutting. He him was down. for part of that series. A lot of that series, he was. Nah, I just watched it. <laughs> a lot of it, they were just sinking in the lane, and they would put players like Boris Diaw. I mean, I mean, towards the end of the game, yeah, they, he would match up against them, but. A lot of that series was just them kind of packing the lane and forcing LeBron to shoot a lot of long jumpers. So, um, again, I think that was the best uh, Miami Heat team. Um, you know, 2014, the wheels started to fall off um, as far as Dwayne Wade's health. They just weren't the same team in 2014. And I think that you started to see the chips in the armor, right? Yeah. Um, San Antonio really exposed them. And what what the same way Dallas did in 2011, San Antonio came back in 2014 on steroids. I mean, this this pretty much opened up the basketball that we know today, um, as far as the passing, the, the keep passing until you find the open man. Everyone touches the ball. Everyone's going to get a, a jump shot. Um, Kawhi Leonard absolutely made the leap. Um, 
in 2014 and just became a monster uh finals mvp um and lebron probably looked around saw the writing on the wall right he's like well i think Dwayne's done um i don't really i mean you know pat riley probably would have figured out a way to rebuild that but i think i think that uh lebron had his eye he saw Kyrie in cleveland was putting together a team um and i think he really did want to make that right um, I mean, if you listen to Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade a couple of years ago pretty much said that that team was finished. I mean, like we talked about earlier, the reason why most teams don't three-peat and they definitely don't four-peat is because that's a lot of time. A lot. You're spending a lot of time with that group of players uh, because your, your season is going into late June, you know, almost July. And then you got to come back in the train camp. You're spending 10, 11 months with these guys for four straight years. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's why I always say people were like, oh, the Bulls would have won eight straight. I'm like, no, they would not have. Uh, they, the, the Michael Jordan's legacy would have been dinged because some. I think those Rockets team won. A, I, yeah, Rockets, I don't know that they went both, but I think they, they definitely they went one. one. Yeah, I think they get that 94 one because that, that Bulls team was on fumes. I mean, you look at it now with the Warriors. The Warriors team ran out of gas. Of course, they were injured. But they've been playing basketball almost all year round for five straight years. But Same I mean, thing with Miami right that's, here. That's a natural evolution. And Pat, Pat expect like, I believe Pat expected that to happen because, I mean, he's seen dynasties before. He's seen good teams. You're going to have some fall off. Then you have to retool. They couldn't retool that year because they had just won the championship. You bring that team back. So you you think he's forgiven LeBron yet? Because I think he's salty still. I don't. I don't think he's salty. I think that he's. It's more like disappointment. Like I, uh, I, I guess he sees that they they probably could have won more titles. I think what because you know Pat Pat has a plan in his head. Like Wade listens to the plan or whatever until he got fed up and left. But he eventually came back. And I think Pat's perspective is like what I just said. Like he saw that the team was getting old. He saw that the team was aging. But you, you just won the championship the previous year. And you can't – you got to bring that team back. You sign Ray Allen to a two-year deal. You have a lot of people locked in on contracts. You have to bring that team back. After that, then you retool and you make different moves to try to make the team better once you lose. But you don't make a lot of big moves after you win a championship. So I think he was disappointed that LeBron didn't give him a chance to make moves that he knew he could make to make that team better. So he felt like he cut it short before he could fix it. You know what I mean? Um but if you listen to Wade when he said in that interview, Wade pretty much said that they were pretty much tired of each other. Wade said something like that we've been around each other for four years. The jokes that used to be funny aren't funny anymore. The smiles are not smiles. They're frowns now. They just didn't like being around each other because they were around each other for too much. Their exposure probably weighed down on them. Pat Riley, you know, starts calling you out in the media when you're not, you know, in that chasing mode that probably gets to you and wears you down because Pat Riley did a lot of calling LeBron out, trying to make him better, and LeBron wasn't really built like that. So he went back to Cleveland. Um, I think it was a natural end to that dynasty. If he would have stayed, I believe they would have been able to retool and make some moves. But, I mean, it happens. I mean, he went back to Cleveland, brought a championship to Cleveland, and entrenched himself as one of the greatest players of all time. Well, I mean, so – on that note, I mean, let's let's talk about what's going on in the NBA at this time. The Celtics have shipped everybody out. My, you know, Ray Allen's in Miami. Um, the Celtics had shipped everybody to Brooklyn. The Lakers had put together uh, their own version of the Big Three that the previous year that just fell apart. Uh, Dwight Howard's back never recovered. Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles. Um, Lakers are just never the same. 
Um, the Mavericks were kind of done at this point, and it was really just the San Antonio Spurs um, in the West. But you had teams that were nipping at their heels. You had the Memphis Grizzlies, who had made the Western Conference Finals the previous season. Um, you had Oklahoma City, who was balling. You had the Clippers that had just put together a team traded for Chris Paul. Um, and you had the, a young Warriors team that had just signed uh, Andre Iguodala this season. So a uh, lot happening. The East, pure trash. But the, the West, I think you had Atlanta. Yeah. Um, that Derrick Rose team. injury kind of changed the whole East. It did. That, that dropped the Bulls down, I believe. When did Paul George get hurt? That 2014? 2014. He got that hurt that summer. season. That summer. Yeah, that summer. summer he broke his leg. Yeah, so that that I don't think people knew that that was going to change it, but that summer, yep. that impacted it. That changed it. Um, you had the Heat break up, the Celtics break up. So, I mean, anywhere, that's what I said. I think that's what Pat Riley was most disappointed in because LeBron went to Cleveland and ran off those in Cleveland. That was the time that he could have retooled the Heat, and the Heat could have dominated and did the same thing that Cleveland did. Now, the uh, the Cavs had more web, more assets because they had more gotten, assets. You know, Deion Waiters, the um, number one Andrew, pick, Andrew Wiggins. They fucked yep. up on that one dude, uh, Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett. You know what I mean? So, Tristan, but that was a historically bad draft. That's up there with like the 2000 draft. Yeah, Tristan, one of the worst drafts. Tristan ever. Thompson. So they had a lot of young pieces, and LeBron probably said because he 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 wasn't used to being with a good team and good management. So he's still looking at it from the Cleveland perspective. Like I've been in this situation before. These players are old. I'm gonna get stuck in the same situation like I was in Cleveland. So I'm gonna get out now and go to young because he hadn't been with an organization that could make moves to better a team. You know what I mean? But before we jump too far ahead. Um, 2013-2014, Miami ends up going 54-28. and 28. Um, They win their division, kind of on cruise control for a lot of the season. Um, like I said, the East just wasn't very good. Yeah, and, even, and Paul George was... Even though they were winning, there was a lot of controversy that season. Yeah, oh like, yeah. There was a lot of locker and, room And there was, you know, they, there was a lot of resentment towards LeBron because he had not been committed. He wasn't committed past that year. Um, and they all kind of figured he, was, he had a foot out the door. Um, but East was weak. A pretty relatively easy run to the finals. Um, they beat, they swept the Bobcats in uh, <laughs> uh, um, first round. They beat that that broken down Nets team with Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, Kevin Garnett was completely done. Um, Paul Pierce is pretty much done at that point. Um, they beat that team in five. Indiana, they beat in six. That was Paul George before he broke his leg that summer. Um, Wade said, Wade actually said that Indiana Pacers should have. Should have beaten them, but they had mentally broken them. <laughs> he, I he believe said, that. He said that the Pacers should have beat them because by the time that they got there, they were running on fumes and they didn't even really want to play basketball anymore. Um, they get to the finals. Uh, meanwhile, the Spurs, as we, we, I alluded to earlier, the Spurs were back with a vengeance. Um, Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard became – it's hard to say he became, but Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard emerged. Um, he ended up winning finals MVP that year. Um, you know, the guy 15, 10 in, in the playoff, I mean, excuse me, in the finals, uh, a defensive stalwart and just a worn out Miami team. Um, it was the perfect storm really for, uh, Miami to lose this game. I mean, it was so much basketball going on over that last four year period that they were just done. They were cooked. So, um, they lose and. Kawhi Leonard has now split two dynasties. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you think about it, though, we talked. I talked about how, how that team was made up. 
Well, you add Kawhi Leonard coming into his own as a player that's of the level of a Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, and you add him to that Spurs team, that Spurs team is going to be almost and, impossible for the Heat to beat. They barely, and with that said, we still didn't know how good Kawhi Leonard was going to be. Not at that like, point. We just thought he was a great defender. Yeah, everybody was like, oh, he's uh, he's Scottie Pippen. Or, you know what I mean? It's like, I, no, this dude is an all-timer. Um, so, hence what lead led. I mean, Miami, that four-year run was incredible. It was, They burned as hot as any team in NBA history. Um, but it was just a short-lived four-year stretch, man. I mean, it Miami kind of lives in that, that window to me. Like, when I think of Penny, like, Penny played, I think, like 12 years. But it was only that four-year run that I truly remember. Like, I don't I – don't, Penny on the Knicks, the Suns, I can't even form a memory. All I remember is, is 93, 94, 95 Penny or whatever, 90, 94 through 97, whatever it was. I guess I don't look at it like that because that's kind of how Pat Riley designs his team. He designs them to burn fast, like four-year stretches. That's it. I mean, you, you really got to have a four-year stretch with LeBron. Like, when he made that trade to get Shaq in there, he gave up all his young pieces. You know what I'm saying? That that Miami Heat team was young. They had Dwayne Wade, a young Karan Butler. They had Lamar Odom. That team was a good team that was built to be good and could have gotten better. But LeBron, uh, Pat Riley moved all those because he wanted a short window. He had three years to win a championship. They might have won. They might have won two if uh, almost got two. Yeah, if, if uh, Shaq Dwayne, didn't get hurt, no four. Yeah, Richard, or oh five. If Richard Hamilton doesn't step on LeBron, I mean, step on Wade's foot. Yep. I mean, you don't know what happens. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's how Riley builds his team. That's what he's gearing up to do now. He's gearing up to go for free agency in what 2021 and pack together some teams. He he builds them like college teams. They got like a four to six year run and then retool. So. Yeah, so um, before we get out of here, what do you think the legacy of this Miami Heat team is? Um, from Dwayne Wade to LeBron, um, to uh, you know, as far as far as LeBron goes, this is at this moment a footnote. I mean, he's the only one still playing. Um, we've talked about him. You know, if you listen to the Rankings podcast, he's the greatest or the second greatest player of all time, whichever you want to put him at. Um, so not, not a lot to say about LeBron other than what do you think it did for his legacy or if it worked out differently? I think, I think LeBron needed this. I think this was college for LeBron. This was, he said that, yeah, this was like college for LeBron. This was like, this is where he learned to be the LeBron that we know now. This is where he learned to hold players accountable. This is where he learned to step up his game, what you needed to do to win. Uh, they say that a lot of the things that he say, says to players now is a lot of stuff that he picked up from Eric Spolstra, um, being committed, you know, doing these, these these certain things. So I think LeBron really needed that to extend to the greatness that, uh, that he needed to be. As far as Dwayne Wade, I think it was – I think Dwayne Wade did exactly what he needed to do. I mean, he knew that his career was coming to an end. I mean, he played three years of college, so he had a three-year jump on LeBron James. You know what I mean? Right. So he he knew. yeah, and that's one thing people forget. Dwayne Wade was older. Yeah, he was older. So you know, he played. Dwayne Wade did the best thing for his legacy. He was an unselfish player, but he also knew that he couldn't do it on his own. He just didn't have it in him anymore. He had already peaked, but he could be a good second wheel. Um, Chris Bosh, I think that his legacy got cut short. Pat Riley was planning to build that team around him. He had set it up to build that team. Chris Bosh was the future of the Miami Heat, even more than yep. Dwayne Wade. 
Uh, if it would have yep. came down to a decision two years later, just like what happened with Wade, if Wade would have – now, I don't think Wade would have left if Bosh was there because they were really close. But if it would have came down to a decision between Bosh and Wade, because Bosh actually could have went to the Houston Rockets, and they gave him right. a huge deal to stay because Pat Riley really valued Bosh and he was going to build the team. So I hate- Bosh was probably going to go back to averaging 20 20- – 20 and 10, 25 and 10, probably. I mean, Chris Bosch was a great player. I mean, he, for me, he was averaging 20 and 7 before he got hurt, and they were they're about to bring in Dragic. That team was going to be Goran Dragic. Right before he got hurt before the All-Star game, he had a deal to bring in Goran Dragic. It was supposed to be Goran Dragic, um, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, with those young players they had drafted, like Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow. Even with Chris Bosch being hurt, they went to the playoffs and gave the Raptors all they could handle. Could you, if they'd have had Chris Bosch, that wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have had that bad stretch that they had. Yeah. Um, and for me, Chris Bosch is going to get in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he should have. He should. Uh, for me, he was never really a top five player at his position at any point while he was in the league. Um, maybe, where do you, nah, where do you, he was, where do you never, get that standard for being in the Hall of Fame? Because that is not the standard for the Hall of Fame. If you look at some of these motherfuckers again, in the, the Hall of the, Fame. He's, like I said, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no, Mitch Richmond is in the Hall but, of Fame. But I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. Like You always say like players not but getting if, in because they're not top five in their position. Right. No, but I'm saying if the NBA did an actual Hall of Fame, like and actually put some structure into it, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. They legitimately like right now. If you if you ask me, I don't know. Pick a player if they're gonna like Kyle Lowry. Tony, Kyle Lowry's gonna get in the Hall of Fame. Tony Parker's gonna get in. Well, and he should. But Kyle Lowry's gonna get in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, and but should he? So this, no. So this is my point. Chris Bosh career average, even with him taking a back seat, is nineteen eight, and he shot forty nine percent. Yeah, but a lot of that was just empty stats on a bad team. Somebody's got to put up those numbers. They weren't empty stats on bad teams. He in Toronto, they were empty stats on bad teams. Okay. The East was so, so you take, bad. So if you take out Toronto, he averaged the same with Miami, and they were a championship no, he didn't. team. Yes, he and did. Then, and then, in with- the playoffs. You realize that in the playoffs, Chris Bosh, especially those la- that last year, was scoring single digits or no digits uh, in playoff games. That's a Hall of Famer to you? Yes. Game seven, he scored zero points. But he, which one? Which which season? The last season. Well, they were all bad in the last. Dwayne Wade might have scored like four points Look, in a couple all, of those games. All I'm saying but, I mean, is, if you're gonna if you're gonna there, use that example, you gotta be fair because everybody like Wade was horrible that series. Again, Bosch was terrible. Again, Chris Bosh is going to get in the Hall of Fame. If 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 it were my Hall of Fame, if you're not top five at your position at any point in your career, how are you a Hall of Famer? When was he better than Duncan? Never. He wasn't better than KG. He wasn't As, better than Powell. If you're arguing like, I mean, if he should be top five on anybody's list, the answer is no. You are correct. If you order, if, then how you can? If you're how, arguing because that's not the criteria to get in the Hall of Fame, you can't make up your own criteria for getting the Hall of from Fame. From now on, based on I judge whether people get in the Hall <laughs> no, of Fame. You, know. you got people named Nat Clifton and Chuck Cooper to average six and five in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, the, I mean, it's a be, bad like said, list of people in the Hall of Fame. The, the Basketball Hall of Fame is a complete joke. But if we were to redo it. And really make it like like Pro Football Hall of Fame or Baseball Hall of Fame, like a real Hall of Fame. Man, it'd be a lot of sad cats out there. I mean, but you got people that just played in the NBA that didn't play overseas in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame has, is full of terrible players. So you quit. How is Chris Webber not in the Hall of Fame, but Mitch Richmond is? I mean, he will Explain be. Explain that to me. When? Shit, when they decide little man. <laughs> you couldn't get in this class. He got to get in a low class. I mean, he's got to be uh, a down class. So... Anyway, that's the legacy of the Miami Heat. Um, One thing I do want to say is that one of the most underrated players 
on that Miami Heat team throughout that season is Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers was huge for everything that they did. He showed up in big games. He made big shots. He could score a wheel. He was a good defender. I mean, Mario Chalmers did not get enough respect on how good he was because he was in the shadow of LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Bosh. They were rubbing his head. They were blameful for everything. But that dude took all that. He took the. I was happy when the Grizzlies signed him. Yeah, I mean, uh, then he tore was, his Achilles. I think he. I think when y'all signed him, he was coming off two ACL injuries. Yeah, like he had he had a the, bad a couple of bad D injuries. The, uns- tore his Achilles. the unsung hero of that Miami Heat run, Joel Anthony. <laughs> His Joel Anthony was good, but it was it was definitely Mario Chalmers. Joel Anthony was really good, but you couldn't play him all the time. Mario Chalmers was definitely the unsung hero of that championship. Um, next week, I got a good show for you guys. Um, we're going to talk about the lost teams of the early 2000s, uh, some players that y'all might have forgotten about and how good they were, even if it was for a short period of time. Um, there was a lot of good teams that kind of get lost in the shuffle uh, of Steve the 2000s. Francis. Well, yeah, well, maybe. The franchise uh, we got on crack. So we got that for you. And then uh, another episode we're going to do is we're going to talk about Kawhi Leonard. Um, and we we kind of alluded to it. We, we talked about the makings of, Ka- of Kawhi Leonard um, and him being a dynasty killer. Um, and we're going to do an episode on that in the Spurs. And we're going to keep this thing rolling for you guys. Hopefully you guys listen to our top 25 rankings. We gave you a couple weeks to digest that. Um, but we're back. We're going to put something out for you every week, get you through these these Corona times, and uh, talk some basketball with you. Maybe not every week, but, you know. <laughs> but you can definitely catch all the content. Lazy. We got a lot of content coming out. Um, we got on the Too Smart Network, we're trying to get a little bit of something for everyone if sports isn't for you. Uh, we're trying to get something for everybody so you can sit through and listen through these quarantine times. Just make sure you stay up to date by going to our website, www.number2smartnetwork.com all together. You can also catch us on social media. Of course, you can catch the number two smart dummies on social media. You can catch the at two smart network on Instagram. Um, the when the smoke clears podcast on Instagram, the sexy suburban dad on Instagram. And you can find me on Facebook, Bobby Reed or two smart network. That's it. That's all. We'll holler at y'all next week. Peace. Peace.